Hello addicts, non-addicts, and supporters. Welcome to the Diary of a Young Addict podcast. I'm your host, Mare, and I'm a 22-year-old recovering addict with over four years clean from drugs and alcohol. This podcast is all about recovery from addiction and what that looks like as a young person. Hello friends! I know it's been so long since I've made a podcast episode and I'm so sorry if you've been following along but I promise that today I have a really good topic for you guys. First off, just wanted to start with like kind of where I'm at in life. A lot of y'all know that I'm in nursing school so I've been putting out applications and it's super exciting. Um, I've been looking at two different hospitals. I don't want to give out names or anything but One of them has a psychiatric ER and inpatient, and then the other one has an adolescent acute 36-bed mental health unit. Obviously, I want to be a psych nurse, but um, all these things have been super exciting. Like, I was drawn at first really to the adolescent because, like that's who I needed when I was when I was using right like I needed someone who was young and who could give me their experience and had like done it all at a young age um and got clean at a young age that's the biggest thing so like I wanted to be who I needed at that age like that's why I wanted to work with adolescents plus like I just understand them you know like I'm not that far off from being an adolescent and then I did some clinicals in the emergency room and we had a lot of psych patients and I started leaning towards that and now I'm just like so torn between the two but I've been having interviews and all that and it's been super fun to get ready for like this new chapter in my life also the student recovery group that I'm the president of the people over me who like actually work for the university decided that they wanted to throw me a grad party at the end of the year and they were like we want it to be huge we want like to invite the chancellor the vice chancellor like all these people and I was like oh my gosh like I didn't want to plan any grad party for myself because I swear to god every single time I plan something for myself it goes to shit and I don't need to have any like resentments or be sad on these days like this is a really big part of my life and I realized like I'm okay without having those things obviously it's awesome that they're throwing that for me and I'm overwhelmingly happy about it but um it was just so sweet so I'm really looking forward to that and my parents will get to be there like it's just gonna be a blast all right and the last really cool update that I have going on is I may have talked about that I got certified in dance fitness this summer well I finally got my own class and it is the most exciting thing most fun thing ever you know like I'm an addict I like all eyes being on me but this is really cool because the format I teach is very much like we're encouraging each other to be good it's all about like self-love like it's just it's so fun and I love it and it's interesting because I've actually met other people in recovery that do dance fitness and that's really exciting and there's also some other instructors in the same format that I teach that are in recovery and that makes me so happy and excited Okay, and to dive on into this topic that I am so excited about, today we are going to be talking about attachment styles. And I know you're probably like, what does that have to do with recovery? So the definition of recovery, at least in my program, is an active change in our ideas and thinking. I'm not even going to lie, when I started reading this book, it was because 
I kept getting ghosted and I just like there was a lot of avoidance and avoidant people and I had no idea how to understand them or what went through their head or anything like that. So like I dated a girl this summer and we had a first date that went amazing. Like it was adorable. It was perfect. Like perfect. And then she ghosted me out of nowhere and it was really unfortunate. Finally got into some acceptance about that and two weeks later she hits me up again and she's like, I'm sorry, like I have an explanation. I'm like, okay, go for it. You know, we're here to be open-minded, right? So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll hear you out. And she's saying like, it went so good that I got scared. And I'm like, how is anything good gonna happen for you if you don't give it a chance? How are you ever gonna be happy if you self-sabotage everything? Now, me reading this book wasn't just because of one person, two people, or whatever. I just know that, like, avoidant people have become more and more abundant, or, like, I've just noticed them more and more, and honestly, I just wanted to understand them. So, if you aren't familiar, the four attachment styles are secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. So all this info is from something called the attachment theory and the book I've been reading on it is called The Power of Attachment. So when I started reading this book, I didn't realize that your attachment style is basically based off of your experiences growing up. And it's cool how I've been able to relate what they talk about to my life experiences and things that I didn't even think were relevant. And once again, this is relevant to recovery because like a lot of us recovering addicts, the reason we used was because we had some trauma that went down, right? And usually like a lot of familial dysfunction. And so it's interesting how that connects to who we are today and how we act and why we are the way we are. So we'll start out with secure attachment. So secure attachment is basically what we're all longing for it's what we're working for it's like when think of it as like the perfect person obviously we're all always trying to grow and be better and eventually become the perfect person and secure attachment is like the perfect person it is something we're all born with it's an innate feature and it's something that we're all capable of no matter what we've been through People with secure attachment are the kind of people who, when someone exits their life, their life doesn't fall apart. And secure people are emotionally aware, they're emotionally intelligent, have a positive view of themselves, a positive view of others. They have a, a healthy self-esteem. Um, they're comfortable with intimacy. They can trust others. They're trustworthy. Like, they're just like the goal of what we want to be and that's what I mean when I say like they're like the perfect person. The thing I love about this book is it talks about what basically could have gone down on your childhood for you to be this way. So for people with secure attachment they are this way because they usually grew up with parents who weren't overly protective or underly protective like they would let their children go through their various emotional states and whatever but they were still present and supportive and the child knew that they were present and supportive and so this book i will link it in the description it gives us tips on how to become a secure attachment and how to like practice that 
because just because you reach it once doesn't mean that you'll always be secure attachment and something that like you have to constantly work towards just like recovery so some of the tips that i liked that i could resonate with are engaging in joint attention so that could be like doing things together even if it doesn't necessarily mean that you're having a conversation like watching tv going to a movie painting together like just doing things together no matter what it is another thing it says is listen attentively that means like listening with the intent to understand instead of listening with the intent to speak and i'm very guilty of this uh and i'm it's hard for me to even like i just interrupt like i that's something i definitely have to work on and practice on purpose another thing it says is practicing presence and the example it kind of gave in the book was like when you're adult and you go back to see your family like don't be on your phone don't even pull the phone out like be present with the people who are in your life and one of the other tips i liked is it said be mindful of comings and goings and so that kind of means like if your partner gets home from like a long day at work you've you greet them in some kind of way or like you greet them before they leave the house that kind of thing like you're aware and you're acknowledging them so now we'll move on to anxious attachment this is also known as ambivalent attachment in this book so ambivalent or anxious attachment are people who are described as having like inconsistent or unreliable caregiving slash parents and that usually results in this anxious attachment style. A lot of anxious attachment people, they did receive a lot of love and high quality interactions with their parents. It's just that like their relationship with their caregivers and parents was unpredictable and inconsistent at times. And that doesn't mean like every day, that could be once a week, once a month. They didn't know what to expect all the time. Somewhat like walking on eggshells. It also says that like parents with unresolved attachment injuries tend to pass their wounds on to their children, just like breaking the cycle, right? So to give you a little bit more information on what anxious attachment style looks like, usually people with this attachment style need more reassurance about commitment, like just reassurance in relationships. They need permanence and they need reliability in their relationships. They usually can be seen as needy, clingy, oversensitive, controlling, high maintenance. And one thing about them is that they long for relationships but get fearful when in them because these people have a bias that people will leave. Now, full disclosure, like I really do resonate with that. I honestly didn't think of my parents as inconsistent or unreliable or anything in that sense. Like I thought I had a great growing up and childhood. And once I started reading this book, I was looking into it and I was like, oh my gosh, like one of my parents would just like explode on me at times for no reason or just minuscule reasons that I literally just don't remember. So I remember like a year or two ago when I first heard of attachment theory, one of my old friends brought it up and she was like, what kind of attachment style do you think you are? And all she did was say the names and I was like, I'm secure. Like I'm not an anxious person. I'm not avoidant. Like I don't think I'm fearful of avoidant. I don't think I'm any of those things. And then getting more into it, I'm like, wow, no, like I really am anxious. Like I need constant reassurance. Like I do have a bias that people will leave and that people are inconsistent and that people will switch up on you in the most random time, like when you least expect it. So like, again, like anxious attachment style people deal with a lot of anxiety about having their needs met 
or feeling secured in being loved and often they don't feel lovable. One thing that I think a lot of people can relate to is that people with this attachment style are hyper vigilant in their relationships. So I know like for me in the past, like I can tell even through text or whatever, like I can tell when, my, when something is off with my partner. And just to say, I'm not like every single time I was usually right, like something happened when I was feeling some type of way. But the, another thing about anxious attachment people is when you feel someone else like that, you feel someone pulling away, you tend to lean in more. So then like the cure or treatment, I would say for anxious attachment that it says in our book here is consistency and reassurance in relationships. Like we just need that in order to feel more safe and secure. So next we'll move on to the big avoidant attachment style. This one, I thought it was very interesting with the background it gives, like the childhood it, it kind of explains. So it says, um, avoidant people usually were partly neglected in childhood. It says that they do want connection, but they need more transition time to take the pressure off. So basically the treatment there is just like offer them space, don't be pushy. So if you can connect the two that I just said, avoidant people and anxious people aren't always the best match. So avoidant people come off as cold, distant, rejecting. They struggle to maintain eye contact. Um, it says that they can be more future oriented and they tend to be efficient, productive. They're really good employees because they're so dedicated to work. A thing I thought was really cool is that avoidant people are usually more left brain dominant and that means that they're more factual, analytical, logical. And so like because of this, um, usually they lack emotional warmth or depth. So with these avoidant people, they are very, like they identify with self-sufficiency. Like they don't like when people depend on them. They don't like when people are expecting things of them and these people can have difficulty asking for help. And so one thing I've kind of learned is like, if you're the partner of an avoidant or you have a friend who's avoidant or whatever, like try to avoid adding critique or rejection because they tend to turn away from that. Like be very gentle with them. Don't be assertive if you're an assertive person. Come at it very gently with a like more passive tone. That's how I would explain it. And this isn't to say that they'll be avoidant forever. You know, like you could definitely work towards this. Like I said, give them more transition time. Like they need time and they need to go on their own timeline in relationships. And so you have to be, as a partner, you have to be patient with that. And as they trust you, like the avoidance will go away, but that's not to say it'll go away forever. Like, you know, like we're not perfect in life. We can always try and get better, but sometimes things pop up, they come back and you just have to be patient with that. All right, so we've covered three of the four attachment styles. We've covered secure, anxious, and avoidant. And so the fourth one is a combination of anxious and avoidant, and it's called fearful avoidant. This one is a little bit harder for me to understand because it's not always the same. It's not always very constant like the other attachment styles are. People with this attachment style can lean more towards fearful or lean more towards avoidant. They might be half and half, like there's no diagnosis or anything like that. So people with disorganized attachment, usually 
what contributed to this attachment style is that they had parents who were a source of fear to them. This attachment style can also result when parents are abusive or they, they have a lot of unresolved trauma themselves. So like when a parent is scared and they fail to regulate like their own distress, they can't calm, if they can't calm themselves, they can't calm their child's distress either. So therefore like the child will spend too much time in what they call over arousal. And they say the child's resiliency or window of tolerance shrinks. So basically like it's harder for them to bounce back. Other kind of things that foster this uh, fearful avoidant attachment style, which is also called disorganized attachment, um, can be family turmoil, emotional irregularity in parents, confusing communication in families, and so what does a fearful avoidant person look like? These people have a lot of sudden shifts. Like the anxious attachment style, they do feel that relationships are dangerous. Like they have a preconceived notion that relationships are negative and that like people are kind of negative. A person with this fearful avoidant attachment style usually has trouble with self-regulation and self-soothing, like they have problems with relaxing or calming down. And what I thought was very interesting is it says this pattern can contribute to addiction, psychiatric conditions, personality disorders, or criminal behaviors. So kind of adding on to that piece, these people feel fear, threat, and dysregulation, and that causes them to act out. So people with this attachment style in childhood are often seen as a problem child, which a lot of us were in addiction, right? This podcast can go on and on, but if you want to understand more, I would, there's other really good podcasts that talk about it. I would also, I'll link the book below. Like I said, it's The Power of Attachment by Diane Poole Heller. Um, I am an Amazon associate, so if you press on the link below, I might get a small commission. But yes, like this book, I didn't cover all the bases, but like it gives you exercises you can do for like if you like for me, I resonate with anxious attachment style and it has little exercises in there that you can do that can help you get out of that and move more towards a secure attachment style. So I hope you got something out of this today. I hope you learned something, something a little bit different. You know, like this is something a little bit different than I normally do on this podcast, but it just like this book resonated with me so much. And I was just in shock of how much this book knew about me. And so I figured y'all might want to hear a little bit about that too. Anyways, um, as always, reach out to me with questions and comments at the diary of a young addict at gmail.com. And if you made it to the end, thank you so much for listening. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please reach out to the Samson National Helpline. There's help available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Please call 1-800-662-4357 and let's get you some help.